0: to the Archers podcast. I am one half of your beautiful, amazing, incredible, intelligent, intuitive, queer, magical co-hosts. My name is Madison.
1: Hello. I, wow, I would love to claim even half of those things as the second half of your amazing, magical, beautiful, smart, queer co-hosts. My name is Katie.
0: Hello, Katie. I'm so happy to be recording for the main feed with you
1: today. I feel like it's been quite a few weeks. Quite a few weeks. Yeah. We, um. goodness gracious, we've had technology mishaps. We've had um, illnesses. We've had broken feet. We've <laughs> had inconvenience. Retrograde. Yes, Mercury retrograde. But guess what, bitch? It is October beginning of October Mercury has gone into the shadow retrograde period right yeah which isn't great but much better than being an actual retrograde and what is it called when Mercury is going forward it goes direct it stations direct I think direct. okay so that's the opposite of retrograde is direct well that's fantastic yeah it has been a long time coming October but it is finally here and I couldn't be happier, really. Oh, oh tell me about it. Like, yeah. we're getting on
0: the the brink of midnights, which mm-hmm. also means the brink of my trip to Vermont to go celebrate uh-huh. midnights with Katie and Lizzie, in case you didn't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have to tell you, the foliage here in Vermont, it is a landmark year for foliage. Everywhere you look outside, the trees are bright red and orange they're the embodiment of the season two archers uh design literally what i was thinking i was like oh mm-hmm. they're thinking with us for season two exactly and of course um taylor's like lesbian flag colors that she's been embracing this this uh era yeah, yeah with her beautiful oranges and pinks and reds mm-hmm the rusty <laughs> oranges mm.
0: and Hitler's wearing are buying that like nip top that is basically just the lesbian flag on it yes and they're like buying it and wearing it and being like i got the top like blah blah, oh. blah, blah. and i just giggle to myself because i'm like oh you're signaling and you don't realize it
1: exactly exactly they really don't they really don't realize that and i do wonder whether it's going to be an instance of them in like 10 years they'll look back on them wearing the lesbian pride shirt being obsessed with taylor literally having their whole lives revolve around this you know 30 queer woman three or this queer woman and be like wow i was gay and i didn't know it like we're just witnessing people's pre coming out pre-realizations right now right
0: the closet is glass hedlers we see it <laughs> that's right, that's
1: right. <laughs> uh so yeah it's just it's truly the rush of Autumn is in the Air. We have a lot to talk about today.
0: We do. I've been thinking a lot about the tarot reading that we did on Patreon a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And Katie and I kind of did a reading for the archers, um, like for ourselves, and what the next year would look like. And we pulled a card for each season. And it was very grounding and very optimistic and validating. But the card that we pulled for this fall was the Five of Wands, and if you know what that card looks like, you could Google it too. Um, it's five people all holding wands like fighting with each other that we sort of read as like the energy of the Gayler community right now. And how how I think Swifties and Gaylers alike are just disheveled with like anxiety and excitement at the same time for midnights to the point that We have nowhere to put all of this anxiety and this energy. So we're all just Mm -hmm. fighting with each other with our wands. Yeah. It's Um, combusting. There's lots of combustion occurring. Yeah. And something I also talked about on Patreon was I saw a Swifty that tweeted that this happens almost every album cycle. Mm. And that before Lover was announced, her last album that was like super planned and like had a whole release thing. All the Swifties were fighting even then about different things. I mean, her queer baiting thing from the "You Need to Calm Down" music video. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many things being fought over at that time. So, all of this to say, we recognize that there's a lot of tension in the Gayler community right now. Yes, whether it be Gayler infighting or Gayler's fighting with Hetlers and Swifties. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, we thought now would be a good time for Katie and I just to review our personal values when it comes to the Gaylor community, our intentions with our podcast and with all of you listeners and the mm-hmm. message we try to send on the podcast, because I don't know, it's I feel like it's a good time to just ground ourselves in that for Katie and I's sake, because exactly. we're in the midst of all this too.
1: <laughs> I really, I think you put it such a in such an amazing way. And thinking about how, you know, this episode, spoiler alert, is the long-awaited track 5 episode, what is more in line with what Taylor has used track 5s to represent than truly revisiting and restating our values because these are like core aspects of like why it is that we we do like truly our values are our track fives
0: yeah really though and the fact that we're returning to our track five the archer and the one that we started this whole podcast with and like grew a lot of our values from that ground like it's just such a beautiful full circle moment and we have a lot of new listeners too so that's the thing yeah Yeah. we just want to review who we are as the archers
1: Exactly. Right. So that is the thing, too, is as always, when Taylor releases a new album, more and more people start to like open their eyes and ears and hearts to the fact that she is like explicitly talking about queer experiences and queerness and like she's really laying it all on the line for us. And once we kind of peel back the decades of veils that have been covering and like trying to convince us that she's like a straight all-american hometown girl as soon as we were peel those back because every album basically is peeling it more and more back Mm-hmm. then more galers come into the fandom. And so for a lot of people that are just now listening to The Archers for the first time, because maybe you had no idea what galers were, or maybe you're just hearing about us now because you're getting even deeper into the rabbit hole, we really wanted to introduce ourselves um, and reintroduce ourselves to to those that have been listening from the beginning. So what I would say, the first thing that you need to know The core of who we are and what our goal is as a podcast, as the Archers, the two of us, our number one goal is to interpret Taylor's art and to read into the art that Taylor creates from a queer perspective and to treat her as one of the greatest artists of our generation and like really truly honor the work that she's putting out into the world by analyzing it the way that you would analyze any other great art throughout history. And
0: along with that, it's making visible the parts of her work that haven't been visible, which Mm. queerness would be that aspect that isn't visible in general in society. Queerness is what is not visible. So pulling that out of her art, And also making it visible for all the other people who see it already. So all the other queer people who see the queer themes, see the queer signals, feel crazy because they thought they knew who Taylor Swift was. And now they have to completely reprogram their brain to understand that she was a queer person playing a character all along. Like our main intent is to reach queer people, queer fans and to cater to those interpretations first and foremost
1: and exclusively
0: if i'm being honest exclusively exclusively that's the thing
1: it for like better for worse we would argue for better mostly we are really devoted to making a podcast for and by queer people uh we don't really have goals of convincing people or you know going mainstream or catering to like straight people's ideas of like what a good queer person is we're not trying to make queerness or gayness or sapphic traction or any of that palatable we're really trying to just like be real true observers and interpreters of culture based on our experiences as queer people I think my favorite thing that Katie
0: reminds me of a lot and that we've just like carried with the most care, I think like is the notion of we speak on Taylor's art with the assumption that our listeners are queer and already know that Taylor is queer. Mm -hmm. We assume that you're coming to this podcast as someone who has already seen the light and who already understands the queer references. And now you just want to hear more about it. I don't I don't like the idea of us digging for evidence to prove Taylor's sexuality, because exactly. that's another thing that makes both of us very uncomfortable is trying to name someone else's sexuality that we don't know and mm-hmm. have never had a conversation with is a public figure <laughs> with an identity that is made up, at least the one that we see. So you can't assign a sexuality or label to Taylor Swift. We have no intention in doing so. And along with that, we also have no intention of exploring what queerness looks like in her relationships because Mm -hmm. we hear the queerness in her music. I don't really need to know who she is dating, who she isn't dating, who she's publicly or privately with. Those things don't really make an appearance on the main feed here where we're talking because it doesn't add to her art at all. And that's where our main intention always was with this podcast was to look at lyrics because there's enough about Taylor and the tabloids. You hear enough about her in the news. You hear enough about yeah. her relationships. You can Google her and see everyone that she's ever walked the street with and been photographed with. Exactly. That's the visible part of Taylor Swift's life. We don't care to talk about what's already visible. We wanna talk about yeah. what's not so visible.
1: Exactly. The symbols that she uses over and over again, the symbols and the metaphors and the language that she uses from 2008, from her very first album, all the way into her upcoming album, like what people in her life have existed the entire time through the decades that she's been working like there are no relationships that we as the public can pinpoint all of her lyrics too. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like that there's just so much that she has been writing and singing about and creating for so long that we have no idea what she could possibly be singing about and it's not fun for us to speculate on things that we that that are I don't know it's 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 like if you are a Patreon subscriber you know that we love Shit talking and shooting the shit, as we say. Yeah, I was gonna we say love- all of this to say we are yeah, still like, gailers and we we're love still gailers. We love having the tea, we love gossip. I'm so fucking grateful for all of the galers that has have laid down like our the bridges before us that have like paved the yes. way for us before us, so that it was actually something that didn't exist that we didn't see existing because there are so many master posts of potential relationships because you know people have been documenting her potential queer relationships for so long for as long as Taylor's existed they've been documenting potential queer relationships and we're so grateful mm-hmm. for that because like that is a crucial part of like interacting with her as a celebrity mm-hmm. and like you know getting all the lesbian tea that's yeah. part of it but like that's not what the art archers is there's so many people that are doing that work and we love engaging with it and again if you come on the patreon we dabble in that all the time yeah this main feed what the archers is is not about her relationships it's about her art and her words and It's about prioritizing queerness and the kind of like ineffable, beautiful aspects of being queer in this world that are indisputable as far as we're concerned. Mm -hmm. I
0: remember the Rolling Stone article like Mm -hmm. last month and how um, there was like one sentence that used language in it that didn't sit right with me and I made a TikTok about it and it's stuck with me, like the words that I said about this statement, Um, because they they used the word conspire or like conspiracy mm. about Gaylor mm. theories. And I was like, I don't understand why publications always call Gaylor a conspiracy theory. I'm sure it's for legal reasons, whatever. But <laughs> like these words just kind of like word vomited out of my mouth when I was making the TikTok. Mm. And it stuck with me in such a way that has gone beyond Gaylor stuff. But I was just like, Queerness is not something to be conspired. Queerness is not something mm. to be discovered or investigated. Queerness is intuitive. It's an intuitive feeling. There's a reason people have gaydars. Mm. And it's not because we like hunting for clues <laughs> to find things out. It's because over time we've adapted to be able to just feel it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's so beautifully put. And I mean, there's mm-hmm. the thing, like, you know that we're always going to come at everything with nuance. Like, what mm-hmm. are we, if not the most, like, nuanced, like, people in the world? Like, we're constantly telling each we other. Yeah. Well,
0: that's that's, that's, that's the, the thing, nuance though. of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, careful, careful. The nuance is that we try, not that we are. <laughs> we aim for being the most nuanced.
1: Oh. Okay. Is no my, one. This how we, is why we end up recording. Be, exactly. This is why we end up recording for four hours because we're fucking obsessed with nuance. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm not saying we have to be the most nuanced. I no, don't. No. I'm not competing with anyone. But like, part of the thing that's so magical about two Sagittarius hosting this podcast about another <laughs> Sagittarius, is that like nuance is in everything we do not a day passes where we feel the same strong emotion about something end of the day to begin a beginning of the day to end of the day and like so when we're saying this right now we're not being like um you have to be good like you have to not care about gossip like
0: well, that's you have the other to part not... of
1: nuance exactly don't police people don't police people hmm and it's like, okay, aren't you guys policing people? And it's like, no, we're not. We're trying to tell you what we value and what is important to us.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing is that's why I say it's our it's our personal values as the archers. Like exactly. this is not us being like this is how gailers should be theorizing no. like this is how people should be acting. This is just simply how we chose to do the podcast and we've stuck yes. with these values. And it's a call for you to figure out what your values are and to stand in those and to remind yourself of them the way that we have.
1: All the time. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, like, I don't know. I just, I love so many of the Gaylor creators. And I, we're so different from so many other Gaylor creators. And that's mm-hmm. why we're doing this is because we're mm-hmm. like, oh, we can be like kind of a different energy to add to the rest of like the incredible energy that's going on. Everyone has their kind of like specialty
0: in the Gaylor community, I feel like there's even like I I don't know, like there's like archivists, there's poets, there's astrologers, there's Mm -hmm. there's so many different types of people. And that's why there's gossipers, there's people that oh yeah, videos theorizing about the relationships and the timelines. And I'm so oh
1: exactly, and there are conspiracy theorists. Yeah, There are people that make me feel like I'm in Gaylor QAnon. Yeah. And I am grateful for those people because it's mm-hmm. fun to feel like you're conspiring. Like It's a fun mm-hmm. to feel like being queer is a sin sometimes. Taylor taught us yeah. that.
0: We-, we have to sneak around anyways. Yes. Like, we may as well
1: make it fun. We may and- as well make it fun. <laughs> so anyways, all of this is to say is that if you're listening to Archers and on the main feed and wondering why we never talk about her supposed assumed well-documented potential queer relationships. It is because that's not what the point of the archers is. The point of the archers is to look into her art and see the queerness that is multi-layered and completely inseparable from queerness and not not reliant on relationships or who who she's potentially been with.
0: Well, that's the main thing is like who the people that you have relationships with don't define your sexuality.
1: And yeah.
0: if that's a value that you hold and it should be a value that all queer people hold, then mm-hmm. then you apply that to Taylor as well <laughs> of like it, regardless of who she's in a relationship with or not, the queerness is there, and we all know it. and that's.
1: And also just one other thing. One mm-hmm. relationship that we do talk about on the main feed is her relationship with Joe Alwyn. Yeah, we have talked about that a few times because
0: yes. we kind of have to because it intertwines with her career.
1: And her public persona. Unlike persona. The character she's created. And her yeah. art, unfortunately unfortunately yes and i mean that's another thing it's like why why if we go on and on about like speculation and not talking about our relationships why are we so publicly um you know not wh- what what would you call the opposite of a toe truther toe antis yeah anti-toe but that's the thing. We're not anti-Toe. Like, I feel like both of us, if Taylor yeah, no, was I'm like, not. hey, you guys, I'm in love with Joe Alwyn like, Madison and Katie, I'm in love with Joe Alwyn. like, please stop being so mean to my little baby boy that I carry around in my pocketbook. We'd be like, oh, my God, Taylor, thank you for reaching out to us. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Like, that's fine. But um, as it were, we are just calling it like we see it. Yeah. And oh, go back and, and, and listen last... to our Grammy-gate uh, uh, ish episode yeah. if you're confused.
0: Yeah. We spilled a lot of tea in that episode. I didn't realize until later on that. That was like a Patreon episode on the main feed. We were really... I spoiled. know, <laughs> I know. But um, And one last thing. Literally one last, 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 last thing. Not only do we not care about her relationships, not only do we not care about her label, we also don't care if she comes out or what that even
1: means. <gasps> oh my god, I forgot about this. Yes, yeah, that's right. Thank you for bringing that up. I won't really
0: expand more. We just, no one should have to come out. A, that's already the baseline, like, belief that I have. And then B, Taylor is out to anyone who chooses to see it. So that's, I mean, that's that's the
1: thing. I think about all the time. Are you, are the episode that started this season? Do you need to come down episode? Like, she is out. Like, there's not much more that we can say. She said in Miss Mm -hmm. Americana, Gay Pride Makes Me Me. She wore her little bi pride wig and you need to calm down. She has situated Mm -hmm. herself as mayor of the queer trailer park. Like, she's out. It's fine. If she never wants to come out in explicit terms, that's her prerogative. And I love and admire her for that.
0: The explicit terms, if your definition of outing, like, as a listener, or being out, not outing, is being out and openly, visibly queer to straight people... Mm -hmm. You got to rethink a little bit because Taylor Swift might not be out to straight people, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean she's not out. Being out and factoring in straight people is not. Those two things don't coincide. Mm -hmm. Just because straight people don't know she's queer doesn't mean she's not
1: out. That's my point. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, who the fuck cares what straight people think? Exactly. And that is the
0: what's the word that's the foundation of this podcast yeah exactly who the fuck cares what straight people think yeah and also Um, we like to make things up that's the other groundwork
1: that's right
0: the archers we like to make things up oh that sounds like the end of like a antidepressant ad (laughs) when it's like lexapro
1: find a new life the archers we make things up
0: may cause headaches or nausea or sudden onset ideas Diziness. of and <laughs> emily dickinson references
1: <laughs> we should have someone make a little anti-Taylor i was just gonna us. say how yeah. do we find
0: and someone to do that um, we should take
1: out ad spots on other taylor swift podcasts being like
0: the archer oh. <laughs> Oh my god, Katie, that's the best idea I've ever Thank you. heard. Thank if you. If anyone, if anyone has information on how to do that, please <laughs> slide into the archer's DMs. If you can help us get an ad spot on one, like on like the thirteenth podcast or the thirteenth yes. podcast, please yes. do. Let yes, us know. yes.
1: <laughs> Remember that when we beat thirteenth podcast on the Apple charts.
0: Oh, I think about it every day. That was with our Miss Americana
1: episode. If you haven't Uh, heard it, truly our peak, like such a good episode. It's true. That's so good. And that was track five of season one. Excuse me. Episode (gasps) five of season one. Oh, my God. Maybe. Oh, my God. Maybe it's like good karma. Yeah. I'm sorry. Good karma. (laughs) Okay. Right. We reviewed our values so <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you so much. We love you, listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Now it's time to move on to the last three weeks in which Taylor has been causing midnight's mayhem on With TikTok. me, midnight's mayhem with me out mm-hmm. now. Oh. <laughs> so it all started with a TikTok that had a very suspicious little sound in the background. And that song was a little song called The Life You Lead by a heretofore unknown artist called Nice Boy Ed. Nice right. Boy Ed. Right, she she posted that compilation of, of her making, making the nice, album. With Friend of the Archers, Jack Antonoff. Of course.
0: That song in the background, this artist had no other music released. Mm-mm. No followers. No. There's nothing about Nice Boy Ed online. No. It even took a second for everyone to figure out the lyrics of the song because they weren't like on Genius Available. for a while. Yeah. yeah. My initial thought to this was oh, maybe Taylor is helping a, like, indie queer artist. Like, mm-hmm. maybe this is her transitioning into being more of a mentor to younger artists, hopefully queer ones, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how she
0: has been for, like, Gracie Abrams and um, Conan Gray and, you know. Yes. But then I was like, this voice is older. Mm. I think the voice sounded older. Okay. Anyways, the theory started circulating that this was Joe. That was the Swifties kind of initial. Because everything is Joe when it comes to that.
1: Everything is Joe and nothing hurts. And nothing hurts. And what a ignorant bliss to be in that. Exactly.
0: And nothing hurts. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the theory going around amongst Swifties. And... I was just tapping my little foot waiting for the galers. I was waiting.
1: We always wait. When these things happen, you just got to wait approximately 20 minutes because literally all it takes is searching a phrase and the word gay and suddenly it all becomes crystal clear.
0: Well, that's all the galers ever do. And that's all I do when I do galer research. I just Google random words that Taylor says and I find things. Exactly. Plus queer or gay or gay history yeah. or lesbian. And I find it. Exactly. Um, Always. That's the so-called reaching that Swifties say that we're all doing. They're over there doing calculus. We're doing one Google search. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what we concluded as Gaylers on the Gaylor Swift Reddit, there was a post by user Jemima underscore And there's also a post by user Layla1020. Mm. I'm going to be reading Layla1020's post. And basically, Layla and Jemima had Googled Nice Boy Ed, found that there was an essay from um, a book by Esther. Esther. I never know how to pronounce that name.
1: Esther? Yeah, Esther. Yeah.
0: Esther Newman. And she tells an anecdote in this essay about a boy named Ed that she dated in high school or tried to date and how he was very nice. He was a nice boy named Ed and she was supposed to like a nice boy, but she had no interest in him. And if you read the rest of the essay, it's basically about how artists, specifically women who are artists, have no place in the art world, have no place in this world, because they're just deemed as crazy. Very mad woman, very Taylor, just her overall theme since like 2017. And the author uses the language, the life you lead, specifically in the quote as well, which is the name of the Nice Boy Ed song. Layla 1020 summarizes it by saying... The essay is talking about the life you lead, specifically the life that women lead. The author talks about the heteronormativity and misogyny that she dealt with in school and society at that time. Women who step out of those bounds are deemed as crazy. Heteronormativity is very pervasive and oppressive. Women have to be subservient subservient to men. Heterosexuality is the only way. It's a form of social control. This part specifically is a quote directly from the essay that is so tailor coded It says... Caught in an intolerable, frozen normality, these women resorted to behavior that was then labeled insane. Basically, any attempt to leave the scene of the action, the real world, and retreat to an interior monologue. To write authentically, a person has to look inside of herself to set up an interior monologue similar to that of a schizophrenic woman. Perhaps what they find is their ground-up rage and confusion. Second, becoming an artist, becoming recognized, separates women from the normal world of other women. When you read the lives of women artists, you see a variety of ways, some more successful than others, in which women try to adapt to their special status. I don't want to be what parents, men, the real world say I am or should be. This means accepting all my past selves, the me who tried and failed to be normal, the me who went crazy and came back, We women want to define ourselves and change the real world to our world. The craziness of my own past is not so painful to me as it was, and writing about it may seem to, and writing about it may speak to the experience of other women. Dating for girls was mandatory. A girl had no social personality if she did not date. She was simply a social reject. So most girls were obsessed with dating and crushes. That is, we were boy crazy. The only reason I went steady with Ed was that I wanted to find out what it was like to go steady with a man. And there was so much security in it. Also, going with him brought my reputation up a lot. Please. The last sentence of the essay reads Things were better for me then, but there is no happy ending. There will never be peace between me and the real world until the real world makes more space for me and for all other women.
1: I'm okay. So sometimes it does scare me that it does seem as though we live in a simulation where. All of the words that we find and all the connections we find seem to be just from like the same hand. You know what I mean?
0: Intolerable peace.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Like just to mad woman. And the thing about this amazing connection that I feel like we owe so much to these redditors that found this immediately the thing about this is that this was found not by searching nice boy ed queer nice boy ed gay it was search found by literally searching nice boy ed yeah it was like the third result from this book where this essay is margaret mead made me gay and there's just so many questions that i have and so many answers that i feel like we'll never get I mean, who is Nice Boy Ed? Who is this, like, what, who are they? Why is Taylor promoting them? Like, who is singing? Is it Taylor? Is it like, what is, like, people have played the song Life You Lead um, with the pitch changed, and it kind of sounds like Taylor with their pitch change. All of that, all of these are questions that I don't know if we'll ever have answers to. But the one thing that I do know is that somehow cosmically we've arrived at this incredible essay that is such a compliment to all of Taylor's music. Mm-hmm. It's like a perfect complimentary piece of media to read her music to. Mm-hmm. Literally about compet and having to be boy crazy in either t- in order to be like seen as a valid human woman
0: and specifically as a visible, well-known artist. She talks about being a well-known artist right before talking about giving into the expectation of heteronormativity just to be a successful artist and how like that is a necessary part of being visible in this world. Like as a woman making art, you have to play the game of heteronormativity in order to get the reward. You play stupid games, you win stupid fucking
1: prizes. (laughs) And it's like, the thing is, is that if I had read this completely separate from Taylor, I would be like, oh, this is perfect. This is so Taylor. It's so Taylor. It sheds so much light onto everything we talk about here on The Archers. Mm -hmm. Everything that is, like, weighing on my heart always when I think about who Taylor is as a person and the choices that she has to make and can make and has made. And the thing is, is that we didn't just find it randomly, it literally was found by googling this obscure artist that like Taylor seems to be connected to.
0: She like just handed it to us. Like do you understand how weird that is? it is very weird and when this first came out and i first saw the reddit post i thought to myself okay she actually is sending us signals like she's actually sending gaylor's messages and i feel like i have that realization every time she does some sort of easter egg or whatever i know but like i'm just constantly reminded that she's in the driver's seat like katie texted me last night after um the midnight mayhem last night which we will talk about and (laughs) (laughs) katie was like I'm just so excited. Like sometimes I forget that she's the one in charge.
1: <laughs> yes. I really feel that way. It's like, yeah. I i feel like when she doesn't say anything or, you know, like we're not hearing from her, then I kind of just get lost in things. And it's so easy to be like, what am I even, what am I reading into? Like, why am I taking everything so seriously? And then she'll do anything and it'll be so layered and have so many weird. And it's like,
0: oh, I was taking it seriously because it is that serious.
1: Because it is that serious. Because she's telling us to take it that serious. Yeah. <laughs> I think
0: one of my um, one of the theories that I'm grabbing onto for who Nice Boy Ed is, is hmm. the possibility of it being Troy Savon. Because I saw yesterday, he posted on Instagram um, a picture of him looking at, like, a computer screen. And in the reflection of his glasses, you could see a lavender screen. And yesterday was also, like, Nice Boy Ed went live on Instagram for, like, 20 seconds again. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Nice Boy Ed's been going live, like, playing weird snippets of weird songs, very weird songs. Um, I hope those aren't Midnight's tracks, if I'm being honest. (laughs) But the live of nice boy ed was just a lavender screen yesterday and it was like a phone taking a video of a computer screen that was like on a lavender screen and then troy posted a photo of him looking at it like the most cryptic photo of like the reflection of his glasses and i saw one person be like what's the likelihood that it's troy savant and then i thought about it and the accent kind of sounds like him it kind of sounds like his voice pitched down so right that's a possibility i'm kind of putting in my pocket but i love that
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah I don't really care either I know that's really what it comes down to I'm like okay well this is interesting I'm mostly just so grateful that it directed me to this essay mm-hmm. like this incredible essay and how and-
0: wonderful is it that we know Taylor is reading essays like this and like mm-hmm. genuinely understanding the concepts that we talk about in relation to her art like I feel like when we talk mm-hmm. about heteronormativity and comp and her relationship to it. Sometimes it feels like we are just interpreting it because we are. But yeah. like the fact that she is also grasping these concepts, and like she said, a Miss Americana, and like she's learning about oppression. <laughs> and like, I know. I know the hierarchy of the world. I think she's like really trying to learn about power structures, and that's just very interesting to me too. That she would ever purposefully signal something so like academic. I
1: know. So, yes, shout out to, what are the two Reddit usernames again? It was Layla1020, whose post I read.
0: And Layla1020 had gotten some of their information from Jemima underscore
1: on the Gaylor Swift Reddit. Thank you so much, Layla and Jemima, for our hairpin drop of the week.
0: Truly, thank you. I really heard that one drop. Absolutely.
1: The hairpin drop heard round
0: the world. Truly. Yeah. Another hairpin drop heard around the world was the Midnight Mayhem video from last night.
1: Yes. Okay, so let's get into it. So, TikTok has been a great place for Swifties lately. Um, well not all of TikTok, but certainly Taylor Swift's TikTok. And um So she's been releasing these song titles and they were in a very specific pattern where they would be released at midnight on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which I was getting very confused about because to me, it wasn't Monday, Wednesday, Friday. To me, I was thinking that it was Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, because I wasn't thinking of it as the next day. I was thinking of it as the evening of. Does that make sense?
0: It totally makes sense. And that's mm-hmm. also, I didn't even know that there was a pattern happening with Midnight's mm-hmm. Mayhem until mm-hmm. yesterday when everyone
1: was like, she broke the pattern. And I was like, what? Yes. Okay, well, <laughs> so this is the thing. She broke the pattern. And who among us said that she should break the pattern? I said she should break the pattern because mm-hmm. that that's true mayhem. Mm -hmm. true mayhem is when there are no patterns and so lo and behold she's told us all these track numbers, track names, they've been great blah 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 blah, very excited for Taylor's new album, I don't know if you know this but I'm a big Taylor Swift fan (laughs) and finally last night at midnight unbeknownst to anyone she released, or excuse me she announced the title for track number 11 first of all Wow,
0: you're t- you mean eleven like cowboy like me invisible string eleven mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mean eleven like dancing with our hands tied
1: eleven. Mm. oh my God, dancing with our hands tied to track eleven. Yeah. <sighs> it's quite something. Um, yes. And what is it? What is the name of track eleven? What could Katie. it possibly be? Katie,
0: the name of track eleven mm-hmm. is karma It's karma? It's karma. The name of track eleven is the motherfucking lost quote unquote lost album that mm-hmm. everyone's been waiting for since like mm-hmm. 2016, mm-hmm. since she mm-hmm. first mentioned it in like a Vogue interview with the 60 70 whatever the fuck how many questions and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden karma is real in the in
1: our in the year of 2022, the year of our Lord 2022, karma is real, and karma is real, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it sweet? Isn't
0: karma sweet? I think Taylor is about to do some crazy fucking, like, whether it's intentional or not, like, some sort of, like, magic amongst the general population of people Mm -hmm. that hear her music. I truly believe (sighs) that this song is going to, like, the butterfly effect.
1: Oh. Yes. Absolutely. And okay, so there's just a lot to unpack with Karma being real and like we getting a track title named Karma. But the first thing I really want to unpack is how much I love her. Because the thing is, is that when she announced this, if you haven't seen the TikTok, go run. I can't imagine you'd be listening to this podcast and not having seen it, but you know, go run and watch it because Taylor is fucking giddy Announcing this track title. She's so annoying in the best way. In the best way. She's such a fucking lesbian. First of all. Yeah. <laughs> the outfit. Katie,
0: someone described her outfits as progressively getting deeper into the Kinsey scale.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have never literally... in my life seen an outfit like what she's wearing.
0: She invented the Kinsey
1: scale. She invented it. She's Kinsey. She's Dr. Kinsey. <sighs> okay so the thing is is that first of all what is the outfit like why is she dressed so ugly like it's insane
0: she's loving the muscle tees for this Mm -hmm, era like the mm -hmm. the tank top but it's not actually a tank top it's because it's like a wide strap tank so it's more wife the wife
1: pleasers as they're called wife
0: pleasers okay okay i didn't know that i didn't know that Mm -hmm, love mm -hmm. that um like, she's already been playing with those, but in this one, she's wearing, like, a sh- blue one, I think. Like, blue and gray, and it's, like, striped. I think it's blue and red. Oh, blue and red.
1: It has a weird Tommy Hilfiger 2002 energy.
0: But then her pants have, like, weird 2020 fast quarantine fashion. yeah. Yeah. Like gentrified street fashion. Yeah, like graffitied, wide leg graffiti pants. Yeah. yeah. Jeans, denim.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the outfit isn't my favorite out of all of the ones that we've seen. No, it's a very it, ugly. It's insanely it's a, ugly. It kind of gives reputation vibes in a weird way to me. Like it felt like such a cross of like the vibes of reputation and, and midnights.
1: Yeah, I think that that, that's the graffiti pants and like
0: the graffiti of like ready for it. Like,
1: oh, yeah, that makes sense for sure. You know, there's so much graffiti in reputation ready for it and in delicate.
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: karma is going to be about bearding. You too. I mean, that makes sense with track 11. Mm -hmm. It really would. Someone on Twitter... I really, I really have to just start screenshotting everything always. I yeah. have been saying this for like a year that I need to just screenshot things so I can properly attribute them. But someone said they think that karma is going to be a Kim Kardashian song mm. where they it's gonna have it's gonna sound like a breakup album or a breakup song with, with like, she her, her pronouns. pronouns and then every it, like the swifty interpretation the hetler interpretation will be that it's a kim kardashian mm. song
0: so like the entirety of rep and how everyone thought reputation was
1: about kim and kanye <laughs> exactly like that which would make sense with it but like i as far as what i'm dreaming about for karma the idea that it could be a bearding song it could be a thinly disguised breakup uh she her pronoun song I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be definitely dark mechanical reputation vibes, but I almost feel like it'd be really interesting if it was like kind of creepy quiet, like stillness, like if it was about like the real repercussions of, you know, like what we think of like, the Western mainstream interpretation of karma and how karma as a concept has kind of been, like, bastardized, like, what it means to us now as, like, what goes around comes around. Like, if you're cruel to someone, you'll get cruelness back. Like, I feel like where she's arrived right now is probably thinking that, you know, she doesn't have to be outwardly angry. That she has, like, a stillness to her that, like... I don't know. I just, I just really get the sense that she's going to be like very. It's going to be like understated her anger and her fury in it. Totally. Yeah. I I could see it being more of
0: like a slow build song because yes. when you think about Invisible String and Cowboy Like Me too, they're very like slow builds, both of yeah. them. And, and do you think this is going to be
1: a single? I think I think it is. People think it's going to be a single, um, yeah. because. Taylor Nation said the single leading cause of mayhem.
0: Yeah. Taylor Nation has been doing some very interesting things for the fact that she said Taylor Nation doesn't drop Easter eggs. I'm like, they're hinting at certain things. I mean, they even used like a GIF of Taylor covering her eyes, like the eye theory with her hands. They used one of those GIFs. Oh, speaking of the eye theory, um, Hmm. Rolling Stone published a piece not long after the Gaylor piece talking about karma and being like, Taylor Swift fans have a theory that karma is a lost album, like blah, blah, blah. blah." And they explained the whole theory about karma like a week after the um, Gaylor article came out. And so Gaylors are very excited by that because they're like, oh, Rolling Stones was – was referencing one little theory and was uh-huh, correct about uh-huh, uh-huh. it. So uh, what about the other one that Rolling Stone mentioned? You know, yeah. the publication that she gave an exclusive to. Yes, yes. It's just very, it's a very validating time to be a gayler while simultaneously the toughest time to be a gayler ever.
1: Ever. Yeah, exactly. There's so many eyes on us. There's so many bright lights shining on us. So many... Uh, there's just like an air of cruelty, <sighs> yeah. and and homophobia and everything. Yeah, and honestly, you know, queer hitlers used to be the biggest problem to me. Like, I used to be so hurt and emotionally affected by queer hitlers, but now I just feel bad for them. Yeah, like yeah. I genuinely like now I'm only mad. I only feel anger at like homophobic hitlers. Yeah. Like, or you know who else? I hate to include them in this, but like gay male Hitlers. Yeah. They, I'm sorry, gay male Hitlers, but you're being grouped into straight people with me. But like, the people I used to feel most angry at was like queer girls and queer women Hitlers. And now I just feel so bad for them because it's like, honey, you could be enjoying. Taylor's yeah. so much more. Like let your heart open up, please. Yeah. Because these that I'm like,
0: that means that you're a fan of Taylor and you're yes! listening to her music every day, and you're not listening to it in the way that you could be love.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, the 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 gay men that bully me are probably the worst out Absolutely. of all of them. They're just like the meanest. And also it's valid for you to group them in with straight people. Or, like, with the straight Swifties because at the end of the day, their commonality is this idea of, like, male gaze, male Mm -hmm. approval, songs about men. Uh These songs are about how great Joe is. You can't attribute it to a woman because then I can't relate to it.
1: exactly yes so it's like fine you can be grouped in with them but i just feel like there's so much internalized homophobia and internalized lesbophobia in like queer women that are really adamant against gaylers because Mm -hmm. it's like we're not outing her She's mm-hmm. outing herself. She is out. Mm-hmm. And us acknowledging it and celebrating it is good. Mm-hmm. Like, please, like, open your heart to this.
0: Like, why it's would she so ask much us fun. to look so deeply into everything? Yes. But, but, not, but to ignore all of that. All the gay just, stuff.
1: Just remember, gay pride makes her her. We're celebrating her. Anyways, Madison, did you know that it's an hour in and we have yet to talk about the main part of our I episode? I know, I know. I hate us sometimes.
0: <laughs> I don't. I think it's been so long since we've been on the main feed that it's valid. We had to get all that out. We had. To we get haven't even talked about may- like mayhem or or anything. So.
1: And so, okay, so just wrapping up, talking about mayhem, talking about karma. I have been thrilled that she's been rolling out the track titles this way i love seeing her three times a week or more yeah and all of her little outfits in her little outfits even though it's only like 30 seconds or less it's like i'm just happy to see her like i really think she's so funny and smart and pretty Mm -hmm. yeah all of those things
0: I'm loving this rollout. I'm having a really good time. And like, I'm not theorizing as much as I usually would be, or like looking into things as much as I usually would. And it's for a reason because I'm enjoying just like getting to be like a gayler with a new album rollout. This is the first time, like, that Katie and I have gotten to just like do this and not with like the surprise drop of Folklore Nevermore, not with the drop of the re-recordings like with just a few vault tracks, like this is a Mm -hmm. whole new era that we get to experience as Kalers for the first time. And I'm sure that's the same for
1: many of you. So. I know. And the fact that it's seventies, it's all like deep, oranges yeah that's like,
0: something we haven't talked about either how did we fucking predict that her next album was gonna be 70s themed we made gaylor fest pretty 70s central themed yeah. and then that's when we decided to make season two's logo very yeah. 70s and mm-hmm. warm and in like groovy and yeah
1: like the disco ball the the butterflies, the moths, like shout out to Lisa at Ghostly Saint Goods. Like because she has been on the 70s wave for yeah, so long. So true. Uh it's just it's so good to be Gaylor. It really is. It is.
0: I guess now we can get into the reason that we are here today for this episode. The reason is- for the season the long-awaited like literally we've wanted to record this episode since the day that we decided to make a fucking podcast this is episode five of season two therefore we're going to be talking about all of taylor's track fives to date and then we will talk a little bit about what we expect for our next track five that we'll get with midnights in a couple of
1: weeks that's right (sighs) Okay, so we talked a little bit about on our Patreon when we did the tarot reading recently. We talked about how track fives do, and in general Taylor's relationship with numerology, really does resonate with what card fives in the tarot mean. So if you're interested about the numerology aspect of it, definitely check out that episode on our Patreon. And... I'm sure that it'll come up later on. But essentially the idea is is that five is sort of the, like, culmination of conflict. Um, If we see the numbers one through ten as being, like, a journey or a circle, then five is kind of like the top of the peak, so where things really come to a head. And that is, you know... Easy to apply to our own lives when we see fives coming up a lot. Or, again, if you're reading tarot and you see fives. Um, But Taylor has really taken that to heart and turned the concept of a track five into something that, like, any even casual Taylor Swift fan, anyone that really, like, has listened to her albums from beginning to end, I think it just is something that we know, like we can It's a common it. knowledge now that yes. track five is, I mean, even Fletcher
0: is a mm-hmm. following suit by making her track five um, emotionally vulnerable is what she mm-hmm. said, but she, she didn't even say that it was because Taylor all just knew it was because yes. <laughs> who else talks about track fives? No one.
1: No one, um, exactly.
0: And you know, something interesting I found out, I didn't know this or maybe I did, I just didn't acknowledge it, that track fives was never something that she intentionally made um, to Mm. be emotionally vulnerable. It was just kind of after um, Reputation and, like, 19... I think around that time when she said the fans were the ones that started to notice that her track fives were her vulnerable ones and that she decided to just, like, follow suit with that and, Mm. and, like, go with their observation, and that's when she wrote The Archer. Um, That was the interview that I found. She was talking about The Archer originally, and she was like, this is me going along with what they noticed like in the themes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make another track five that was vulnerable, and this is my most vulnerable to date. And I'm sure now, after The Archer, my tears ricochet and tolerate it. Yeah. Are equally, if not more, vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So the track five, starting from debut, are Cold As You from Fearless. Mm -hmm. We have White Horse. Speak Now was Dear John. Uh, Red was All Too Well. 1989 was All You Had To Do Was Stay. Reputation was Delicate. Lover was The Archer. Um, And Folklore and Evermore were My Tears Ricochet and Tolerate It.
1: Okay, so I feel like we should start from the beginning, but we're going to have to bounce around because I really can't help but see them all in conversation with each other. Oh, yeah, as all of her writing. All of her music is, exactly. Um, Okay, so listening to Cold Is You, that feels like, I love that. I don't know. Cold as you feels like a whole dictionary of like terms and metaphors and imagery that Taylor's going to use for the rest of her life. Yeah. Definitely. Just some of the imagery in it in particular like painting walls a shade of gray like like you wouldn't care if I died. Like, all these things are, like, come up later in Lover on, like, Cruel Summer and Um Paper Rings. It's, like, it's just so interesting. And then, of course, you know, like, uh, I paint my portraits, like, with Tolerate It. It's, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like Cold As You sounds like it could have been written last year.
0: yeah. And, and you know, we, we talked about that, too, with, like, Tim McGraw and, like, mm-hmm. um, just, like, her themes that she seemed to be revisiting in, like, Folklore and Evermore really heavily from debut. But this song particularly carries themes that we see in all of her albums from here on out, like you mm-hmm. said, like, putting the walls up, painting them gray. And then she talks about um, – all of her walls standing tall painted blue and everything has changed on the red album. Mm,
1: yeah, And then she
0: talks about, we're so sad. We paint the town blue in lover mm-hmm. or she talks about gray skies, painting my gray skies, a shade of blue. Yes. Yes. Like she, we see these themes continue. And then even, um, the secrecy of, I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died for you like that mm-hmm. is quite literally like false god remember mm-hmm. how i said i die for you uh, or i would die for you in secret from peace like yeah. and i think it comes to this full circle thing of like she never did grow up it's so mm-hmm. true she never did grow up she still sees people that hurt her in the same way that she did when she was 16 writing cold as you for debut no. It's still, like, you're just a cold person. You put up these walls. We did this thing in secret. Like, it's still the same bitterness that continues into her adulthood that just confirms the line from The Archer, a later track five. I never grew up. It's getting so old.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really like that you compare it. You you frame it that way as, like, her still being in that, like, little 15-year-old's mind, like, still experiencing things as, like, a little kid that just doesn't understand why the world seems to be so cold around her. Mm -hmm. Like, I really love that because I think that where I came at it from, like, really in line with that is that you know, if you flip it around and and you see the positives of this being something that she's never lost, she's always mm-hmm. kind of stayed there. It shows that prioritization that she has of always wearing her heart on her sleeve and being open to heartache. Yeah. That is a very naive, childlike thing that she continuously over and over again refuses to lose like she from this young age is like I'm I know that I've never been as cold as you like I know that like nowhere I've ever even been is as cold as you are and it's that pride that she's never going to be cold like she can be a lot of things right. she can be manipulative she can be conniving she can be um like crazy, she can be mad but she's never going to be cold she's never going to shut herself off from the pain and the heartache of the world around her and mm-hmm. I admire her for that
0: yeah, like in order to see that coldness she has to know that she's not that yeah it also reminds me of um, Coney Island mm. it gets colder and colder as the sun goes down mm-hmm. And also, Tis the Damn Season, which is a heavily debut, like, paralleled song with, like, imagery and, like, the truck tires and driving around. Like, that's so debut. And the part specifically where she says, it's the kind of
1: cold that fogs up windshield glass, but I felt it when I passed you. I know that when we did our debut episode, we were like, debut is... Like, or, like, evermore is the sequel to debut. Yeah. Like evermore is directly the sequel to debut. But I feel like we need to do another episode really diving in like literally like a six hour episode, track by track because yeah. I just think it over how much cold as you really is like tolerated.
0: Yeah. And oh my god, I would love to do that episode too because once we get maybe we'll do it after we get debut Taylor's version because yes. then we're about the Vault Tax too.
1: Oh, uh, of course. Okay, yes. I, I do think that Taylor's versions are still going to happen. I can't I don't think of like No,
0: Pedro. That's something that I'm trying to push into the back of my <laughs> mind because I'm just trying to I'm just trying to enjoy midnight. So I'm not trying to think too much, but if if I don't get clean Taylor's version or if I don't get better than revenge
1: Taylor's version oh. well so this is the thing we do know that Imogene Heap is yep. working on clean Taylor's version so okay we're thank fine thank god fine. Imogen
0: is keeping us thank in the loop
1: thank you Imogene thank you thank you okay we're fine we're fine um, that's perfect I, we absolutely will be doing that when Taylor's version yeah. Taylor Swift Taylor's version comes out
0: yeah, I do feel like that was kind of her prophecy with Evermore. She's like, mm-hmm. just wait till you guys hear the debut vault tracks and then you'll put all these pieces together, you know. Yeah. Um but I think overall Cold as You, like you said, it's very similar to Tolerate It. Mm-hmm. Um it also sort of reminds me of what is the song from Fearless? Tell Me Why?
1: <gasps> oh, when she yeah. says
0: I'm yes. sick and tired of your attitude feeling like I don't know you. You tell me that you love me and then push me away. Like that whole thing and how that could very easily be applied to our friend Scott Swift. Um,
1: enemy of the archers.
0: Literally enemy of the archers. Probably one of the only. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can think um, of a few more enemy of the archers. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can too. Shout out. <laughs> um like it, it almost feels less like a breakup like type of song of like resentment towards someone that she had a crush on and more about like genuine parental like the confusion of being a kid and not understanding why your parent is so mean to you
1: yeah yeah of
0: like you're so cold like why like what did i ever do yeah Of course, most of the the lyrics make it sound like a romantic song, but I apply it more in that type of way now that we have all this context.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to not apply her first two albums to anything but relationships because we know that... That was what was pushed for her image. Exactly, exactly. So... I mean, anyways, yeah, I really I thought this this was like a, a really solid track five, even though we know that the concept of a track five wasn't like premeditated and it wasn't like mm-hmm. something that she was consciously thinking of at the time. I do think that this is like a really solid start to the tradition. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I think for- for Fearless, White Horse mm-hmm. is
1: the track five.
0: This was one of my favorite songs as a kid.
1: Of um, course it was. I can't believe little baby Madison saying that, like totally being like fairy tales aren't real. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I love
0: Yeah. I loved Love Story, but then I also loved White Horse as like the B side to Love Story. Like as a kid, I was like, yeah, you weren't serious about that. Like you're That's all fantasy. But yeah, I would sit on my computer at like two in the morning and like sing it under my breath and put on like the karaoke version full screen and just live my best life. Um, Amazing. And all this to say that when I re-listened to this song, I literally almost cried because I was like, why is this song so fucking good?
1: Yeah, I know. It's really quite something.
0: I think it's one of the most underrated Gaylor songs. Like, I don't see Gaylors talking about this song ever. And there are so many Gaylor themes here. I mean, even just the white horse aligning with the white horse from Ready For It and Innocence and the idea of purity and Mm -hmm. that whole heteronormative thing that Christians, like, have going on, I guess. And then the lyric – parallels to, again, the Archer. Um, mm-hmm. She says, I paced back and forth all this time because I honestly believed in you.
1: She yeah, talks pacing about pacing.
0: Like a ghost, yeah. Like a ghost and, and pacing the midnight rocks and yes. pacing, thinking about your self-made cages. <laughs> like
1: uh, Exactly.
0: And then also this lyric made me really emotional i was a dreamer before you went and let me down cuz that reminded me of Mirable.
1: i'm still believe though i don't know why
0: yep and and i remember scooter bronze one of his like clapbacks to taylor during the whole masters heist when it initially happened he was like one of his snarky little comments like trying to put on a good public face was like mm-hmm. I still respect Taylor and I respect that she's still a dreamer or something like something so backhanded and, or I respect that she's still a believer or something like that. And it's like, if he's referencing the fact that she still believes that she can come out and be like a successful, artists in history and like if that's what he's referencing and her being a believer and wanting things in the mu- music industry to move forward and to look up for queer people, if that's what the fuck he's referencing, he can literally die. He can literally <laughs> dig his own fucking grave. I yeah. hate this man for a number of reasons aside from yeah. the master's heist and his like deep-rooted homophobia is so fucking mm-hmm. disgusting to me. Anyways, I just heard him talking about the master's heist again the other day mm-hmm. and saying – things to try to save face and being like, I support everyone involved. I still want them to succeed. Like blah, 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 blah. But Scooter Braun is
1: also enemy of the archers. Enemy number one of the archers.
0: But hearing this line with like context of like Gaylor stuff, I was a dreamer before you went and let me down. This could also be applied to Scott Swift.
1: Oh, to be sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you said about how gaylers don't acknowledge this song enough and talk about it enough, it's really true. I think it's really hard for all of us, I think it's hard for gaylers in general, to feel comfortable going back to Fearless. Because, or going back to, honestly, before 1989. Yeah. Like, I think it's probably hard for most of us to go back for reputation. Like, Mm -hmm. even though, just because of how strong the campaign to, like, brainwash us into thinking about Taylor as boy crazy is. It's like, it's very hard to go back and look at these songs that we were, like, told had a certain meaning. Mm -hmm. and really interrogate them it's something that like i try to do all the time but it's still uncomfortable it's still really hard but the thing is is that with a white horse especially it being a track five now in retrospect white horse again does seem like the blueprint for her telling us that she is fucking lying yeah that she is creating a persona That she ultimately is not naive enough to believe is real. It's like Mm -hmm. she's almost like questioning why we think that it's real. The fact that she has a song on the same album as like Love Story. That's saying like fairy tales aren't real. I don't need to be saved.
0: Literally, you'll be the prince, I'll be the princess. Cut to... I'm not a princess. This is not a fairy tale.
1: <laughs> yes. Like, why aren't you listening? Why this, isn't listening? this isn't Hollywood. This isn't Hollywood.
0: This is, is a, a small, small town. town. Wow. And this is my truth. Because yeah. this this song is not about Hollywood. This song is about my small town, my truth, the one screen in my town, <laughs> you know? like, And mm-hmm. even um, with all the recent... When she performed like love story with haim and Mm -hmm. all the headlines were like pouring gasoline on love story like burning it to the ground like all the themes of like burning this shit down yeah um reminds me so much of white horse 2 because it's like how she ends it with come and catch me now like she's like Mm -hmm. i just burned it down I'm not a princess. This ain't a fairy tale. I just named all of this for you. I'm burning that love story down that I started the album with. Now you're on track five. I'm burning that shit down and try and catch me now. And then going on to write the song Run about like run like you're running from the fucking law. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's her evading all of it. Like this is probably the only song on the album where it's like very upfront evading the whole fairy tale of it all. Hence why it's most vulnerable i guess
1: yeah yeah Hmm. no and i i think that like it's it's so smart of you always to point out the white horse that's in ready for it Mm -hmm. because in that it's like we see evil taylor experimenting on glass box taylor Trying to like make versions of her that aren't real. And one of the first versions of her is her on her white horse. Really symbolizing that from the beginning people have tried to make her out being, make her out to be a princess on a white horse. And she's always known that that's not real and that's not something she wants or yeah. can do. That's the thing. It's like not only does she maybe not want it. But she also really acknowledges that it's not real and she cannot do it. Hmm. If that's not, like, a queer cry for help, I don't know what is.
0: Like, when I think about why I loved this song so much as a kid, it's because I rejected that so much. Yeah. Because I was like, love is not real. Like, you guys are crazy. You guys just make things up. Uh, no one mm-hmm. is a princess. There's no fairy tale. You're not going to run off with your one and only. Like, that's not – that doesn't make sense. It's logically. <laughs> the White Horse thing in Ready For It is – also crazy because in the song she's saying it's too late for you and your white horse to come around to catch me now you and your white horse your pure ideals whatever fantasy you're projecting onto me I'm Mm -hmm. running away from it and you cannot catch me so then seeing her like manipulate fake Taylor in the glass box and making Mm -hmm. her be the one on the white horse and like that straight persona Yes. I'm so far gone from that. Wow. Like, try to catch me now because that's not me. Yeah. Like, yeah. what else would that be referencing if you think about it yeah. in, like, a switchy brain? Exactly. Like, why else would there be a white horse Easter egg in the Ready For It music video? There's no, like, correlation to it at all in a in a straight sense. Yeah. But with, like,
1: Gaylor context, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously. It's because she's so hard in the black
0: closet on a
1: white horse. I can't even get into the mindset of Heller sometimes. Like, I it's because it's like, why wouldn't you just watch the media and see what it's telling you? Like a thought experiment. Close your eye, like close your preconceptions and it's just like, watch oh, what it's telling you. That video is off. not someone in a happy heterosexual relationship. She mm-hmm. screams jailer, anyways. we yeah. we, we This isn't the ready for it hour, so okay. (laughs) It could be, but... It could be.
0: Ready for it, Taylor's version? Y'all aren't ready for it. No,
1: I'm certainly not.
0: You think question track seven has something to do with ready for it and the dot 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 and the question mark? Oh, yes. That's immediately what I thought of.
1: Okay, well, so here's the thing, Madison. Can I tell you one little secret spoiler um, about our conversation about the track titles that she's been releasing? In my deepest heart, I Annie, I can't even let myself be convinced that these are the actual track titles.
0: Oh yes, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. I also both of us are very hesitant about
1: this, about anything. <laughs> That's have, the thing. Both of us are don't so even hesitant know if she's dropping an album. Anything.
0: I don't even know if she's dropping an album at this point. Like, literally, I was thinking about it, and I was like, "This bitch might not even put an album out. This could be an entire bait and switch. She puts out a movie instead. She put like
1: <gasps> she puts out a she movie. Could out,
0: she could put out two albums because it's like it's like uh, 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 midnights. Like, there's multiple. There's more than one midnight that the.
1: Okay, picture this. Picture this. It is eleven fifty eight p m. On October 20th. Thursday, October 20th. You, me, and Lizzie are gathered around. A laptop. Communicating with the. Tens of other galers that have joined us. For our listening party. The wind is howling outside. The The rain. Is pouring down in sheets. Pitter patter. On the tin roof. Suddenly. All the lights go out. It is. Midnight. We are ready for the album to be released and to come onto streaming, but instead the electricity turns off. We hear three thumps on the door thump, thump, thump. Suddenly the door bursts open and it's Taylor Swift with a bottle of Hennessy. And she says, oh My God, are you ready to talk?
0: Are you ready, for,
1: are you ready it? for it? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Question. Dot, dot, dot. Are you ready for it? We get 30 minutes with Taylor Swift as she drinks Hennessy. She does not bring more than, she does not offer us any. No. And we don't drink any because neither none, none of us are drinkers. Because no, we're other. high. We're high. <laughs> all three of us <laughs> are high. We're like, no, no, no. We can't drink this. <laughs> Thank you. She drinks shot after shot. She allows us to talk to her, ask any questions for 30 minutes. She leaves. The internet never comes on again. We're all saved. Life is great. That is basically what I'm expecting.
0: Like, (laughs) my expectations are zero. Uh And we're being fed track names. And I still don't believe it. And I that's believe crazy. that equally as much.
1: Equally as much. I, that's the thing. Equally as much. It's like, I believe, it's It's so funny because Lizzie was like, these are the track, like, oh, no, no, no. Lizzie's the one that thinks that the track names aren't real. And I yeah. was like, Lizzie, of course the track names are real. Her little Easter eggs are never that complicated, blah, 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 blah. But the more I convinced Lizzie of that, the more internally I'm like, what am I saying? I know nothing. You're like, I'm just another cog in the machine. I'm just another cog in the machine. We have no idea what Taylor's doing. I think what threw me off the most was vigilante shit. Like, when she put
0: that video out, that mayhem, mm-hmm. I was extremely drunk, first of all, that night. Um, <laughs> But I was like, is there a mistake? Like, I was like, is she giving us lyrics? I don't think she would name a song vigilante shit, but, like, if she is, that's a fucking sleigh. <laughs> But I well,
1: here's the other thing, all the Batman references? Oh yeah. Well, it's like a Batman album. That kind of makes me embarrassed.
0: It is a little bit embarrassing and <laughs> here's why. I love people having fun. I love people sure. enjoying things. I love people with their interests. I love the Marvel people, the superhero people, the DC people. The people mm. they're very aligned with Gayler's actually, like the Marvel universe because there's also gay Marvel characters that are oh, canon sure. does queer and actors that are canon does queer that play those. So there's a lot of intersection.
1: Brie Larson.
0: Yeah. Brie Larson, um, Ryan Reynolds. yeah,
1: um, <gasps> Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Like
0: there's so many Marvel characters. are dressing
1: up as Deadpool.
0: Yes, exactly. Like they, he's, icon.
1: Yeah. The
0: Marvel universe very much interacts with the Gaylor universe. So in a way okay. it makes sense Um But I'm not someone who follows these things. And that's where I have trouble understanding all of the references. And now I'm like, fuck, do I have to get into, like, the Marvel universe now or, like, the DC universe to understand these references? Because, I mean, I've seen some crazy shit on Twitter and Reddit. And I'm like, oh, these are definitely what she's referencing. But I have no idea what it is. Um, For example, this post by Corona Slayer on the Gaylor Swift Reddit. I will link all of what we talk about in the description. I know. Um, You're so amazing about that. Because I hate when I'm listening to a podcast and they talk about something and I'm like, I have to go find it myself. Like that pisses me off. Incredible. Um, But yeah, it just shows a bunch of parallels of her and Batwoman and how she like is acting like Batwoman with these codes and everything. And Mm the red telephone and
1: yeah the red telephone exactly
0: and the the bat in the look what you made me do music video is very batwoman
1: like yeah and then of course catwoman her the batman was phenomenal catwoman of dreams
0: (laughs) right the catwoman of dreams how could we forget about her um but yeah maybe we would end up after we hear this album, maybe we end up doing a whole episode kind of talking about the the possible connections to Batwoman and stuff, even though, that. okay, I don't really <laughs> want to do the research for it either. But here's the thing, Katie, I don't want it either, and it's going to require so much work too, that's why, but, but if the album ends up really being, yeah.
1: Yes. well, That's
0: centered to. around Here's that. We're going to have to.
1: Not only will we have to, but we'll want to.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: If it's all. I'll not really
0: fall down that hole because gone. I'll be like, what the fuck? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that'll be fine. That'll be fine.
0: Speaking of things that I don't really care about, but I'm forced to care about because of Taylor. Um, the next song is Dear John, mm-hmm. which I is I thought that would be the about- second one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is about john mayer not to say i don't care about this song i fucking love this song oh my god don't you are so
1: me. funny madison really you're gonna go out and say this is about john mayer it's not
0: actually but but it canonically it is, is. Yeah. yeah and also i think it is kind of about him too i of think he is like a piece of shit and she saw an in to write about him being a piece of shit <laughs>
1: I know. It's almost like she took... It's so funny. Dear John and All Too Well, I feel like, are almost inseparable from each other, because they both have been kind of turned into the same song Mm -hmm. in Swifties' minds. Not really, because you know, Swifties will be the first to tell you that Dear John is about John Mayer, and All Too Well is about Jake Gyllenhaal, but the short film of All Too Well" 10-minute version is the plot of Dear John. Well, that's the thing that I don't understand
0: about all of all of the straight timelines because I always thought All Too Well was about John Mayer because mm-hmm. it was written before she was even with Jake. Yuck. Yeah. So I assumed it was always about John Mayer because we knew he was a piece of shit. We knew mm-hmm. that he was older than her. All the themes of All Too Well align with Dear John. Like, where did the... Th- where did it come from
1: that it was about Jake Gyllenhaal? I truly don't know. And, I, like... Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's nicer to imagine that All Too Well is about Jake Gyllenhaal. Because Jake Gyllenhaal is, Jake Gyllenhaal is so much hotter than John Mayer.
0: Oh, God. See, now you're... I can't even... Neither of them are... I, I know, I can't but the
1: thing even is, is back in 2012... <laughs> 2011 when was she even dating him 2010 2011 um, or you know when were, they were together yeah. it's like Jake Gyllenhaal was so cute he was like you know really had that like nice boy edge yeah. oh my god nice boy edge
0: <gasps> bye uh, goodbye
1: Katie <laughs> please I mean that's the thing he was like I'm not, okay, I know nothing about his actual personality, but it's, like, he was, like, close with his sister. Like, he made out with Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. Like, he was an indie boy. Like, he was hot. Like, he was really hot. Like, the bisexual dream, coming from someone who identified as bisexual back then, the bisexual dream was Maggie and Jake. Like, just hot indie brunettes you know boy and girl and so like I think that the reason why Swifties have gotten carried away with all too well being about Jake Gyllenhaal is because he's a lot more palatable to think about getting swept up in a month-long relationship and then like ruining your whole life and being so devastated about it as opposed to John Mayer who like is like only kind of charming to like a very certain small sub sect of the human population.
0: I just think he's manipulative and that's what all too well always sounded like to me. was like, you were brought into this whirlwind thing because you were manipulated into thinking it was something it was not like, I don't know. I, I,
1: I, it's, why are we even trying to get into this? Well, yeah, that's the other thing view. is
0: neither of these are about either of these men, exactly. or they might be, who knows, but either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> A starting off the episode being like, it doesn't matter who she dates, guys.
1: And we're like, and okay, it's, but uh, it's Dear John Andal to Willow Magic. I mean, this is why it's so hard to get into past Taylor songs, yeah. because it's like, all of them are so influenced by the mythos that we've been hearing and being told about. Like, how are we going to talk about Dear John without bringing up John Mayer? Because we've been told yeah. that this is an explicit song about John Mayer. But anyways, to me, this song couldn't possibly be about the same person that All Too Well is about.
0: And still, again, I think either of these could be about her dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Not, not all lines, obviously, but themes no. of it. And again, in Dear John, is that theme of burning the love story down, Mm -hmm. burning the shit down, how she ends, I think, the bridge by saying, but I took your matches before fire could catch me, so don't
1: look now. Yeah, burning it all down. And then the it's album cover. Oh, yeah, the
0: light. Is her with a lighter. She's gonna burn this shit down, pouring gasoline on love story.
1: Yeah. And then I also think about how it ends with, you know, the girl in the dress wrote a song about you. Mm -hmm. And then in I Bet You Think About Me, she said, oh, my God, she's insane. She wrote a song about me. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's like this persona, this anti-hero that she's creating this version of herself in which men cause her harm and mm-hmm. then she turns around and causes them harm through the power of her writing. Mm-hmm. Which and is the mythos a- that comes from it. Yes, yes. Like she's really situating herself as a supervillain whose talent is like who enacts justice through her songwriting. A vigilante. A vigilante. A vigilante, yeah.
0: It's crazy. I just had a whole lesson in one of my classes about um, systems of justice. And it was an entire week worth of material about vigilantes and what it means to be a vigilante, vigilantes (sighs) in society, Um, and all of this Material was given to me like three days after she announced vigilante shit. And it literally had my brain spiraling for like two weeks. Um, Still is.
1: I love that. And
0: and what I learned is that vigilantes are very similar to whistleblowers. Like they align in the same kind of moral moral way because they're causing chaos and destruction, but for good Mm -hmm. reason. Right. Because there's perceived injustice happening and they burn it down so that The injustice isn't happening anymore. But in the process of burning it down, harm is done inherently. Inherently.
1: Yeah. And and if that's not the most Taylor shit I've ever heard in my life. like for sure. Yeah. And I I mean, I really think that Dear John and the mythos of All Too Well, even though All Too Well is – see, this is the heartbreak, too, of All Too Well talking about it especially in the last year with everything that's happened with 10 minute version and how it's like turned from her most critically applauded song and like what critics consider to be her best song when it was just the regular all too well from red into what now is like a phenomenon. Like everyone knows all too well, 10 minute version people who never listened to Taylor are like, Oh wow, this is good. Like, incredible, Um, that mythos that has been created of this really is so crucial to who Taylor is as a character Mm -hmm. and a celebrity.
0: That karma, like that cycle of her being able to come back stronger Mm. than a 90s fucking trend and Uh drop a song that's 10 years old and have everyone freak out over it was never a single, was never even promoted it just the mythos of the fans taking it and making it into something else. Yeah. And I mean, that's
1: really, I think foreshadowed in everything she does is just feels so cosmic and like great. I don't know. Like why does everything just feel so foreshadowed by her? Like vigilantes being in your like school assignment before she does it. It
0: makes me feel crazy. It makes me feel crazy. Why would, I've never even heard of the real true definition of a vigilante. I've heard the word, I kind of had an idea of what it meant from like context clues. Never have I ever questioned what a vigilante is until Taylor put out that video for Mayhem. And then three days later, I was suddenly having to write an entire essay about vigilantes.
1: (sighs) It's so weird. It's just very, very weird.
0: It's that Sag knowing of, of like, seeing into the the foresight of a Sag being able to aim the arrow and see so far into
1: the future. That's right. Yeah, of course. Always coming back to that. I feel like my mind is really getting scrambled on these two songs. But basically what I just want to say is that Dear John is very much not a love song. Like, Dear John is Taylor being, like, you're abusive. Mm -hmm. you take advantage of young women Mm -hmm. you're fucked up and I'm writing this song to enact vigilante justice against you then all too well I think if we take it out like the plot of the all too well 10 minute version is the plot of Dear John Mm -hmm. however the song all too well is like a beautiful incredible complicated love song Breakup song, heartache song. There is mm-hmm. nothing in All Too Well from 2012 on the Red Album that would make us think that it was about a similar relationship to Dear John. Yeah. It's just, it's like, to me, one of the, her first, like, raw, emotionally complicated love songs.
0: Totally. I think if dear John is the rage of like right. the cycle of grief, all too well is the acceptance because yeah. it's like, God, I'm so fucking angry and I loved you so fucking much. Mm-hmm. And like both of those emotions have to exist together and do well every day.
1: Exactly.
0: That's like, why the the line, um, it was rare. I was there. I was there. I was there like all of that is like her soothing herself and being like, no, I the love was real to me, even if it wasn't to you, even if it wasn't on like a real level, it felt real to me. And I have to soothe myself and validate that for myself in order to move
1: on. I almost feel like all too well, you really can only get to the root of it. As a song, like, to simplify it, when you look at it in the context of the rest of Red. Because Red is just an album of heartache that, like, ricochets back and forth between mm-hmm. acceptance, denial, anger, grief. Mm-hmm. And then when you take it out of the context of Red, it just becomes, like, her greatest, like, her magnum opus of being right. a up like singer
0: that vulnerability that she's shown always Uh and never lost like we talked about in cold is you the willingness to feel heartbreak and then to share it so openly
1: i've only ever heard dear john as a in the context of a dear john letter Mm -hmm. being a like a the term for a breakup letter from a girl to um, her, like, man in the army.
0: Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like,
1: soldier, yeah.
0: But there's something about it that's, like, anonymity, the Dear John mm. letters. Because it does say Dear John, even if their partner's name is not John. Either way, fascinating that Dear John is a phrase used in that context. And it's, like, its own thing. It's not just Dear John Mayer. And I think that's the only reason she put his name in the title like this because even around this time when she was doing press, they would be like, you never say who your songs are about, but this one like fully names who
1: it's about. And she's like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. A dear John letter. So, yeah, the concept is is that it's assumed that once you use someone's name, it's because you're going to break up with them or because you're like serious and angry. Whereas – so like starting a letter with dear – your name that's like bad whereas if you had started with like darling or like honey or like dear then it wouldn't like you're not going to break up with someone. It's only when you use their name that you mean to break up with someone. So breakup letters are called Dear John letters for that reason because they're using your name.
0: So So interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it like was smart of her to have a song called Dear John, knowing that she could do like, that it's very easily plausible deniability, but also always giving, doing that fan service of letting people make breadcrumbs to the celebrity men that they want to.
0: Uh, It's
1: like function as warning people that he's a predator.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. I don't think Taylor really, was out to cause harm to any of these men just like for fun she obviously had reasoning for it
1: yeah like vigilante shit (laughs) like she
0: she, even in that one interview i think it was around this time and they were like talking about dear john i'm pretty sure when they were like asking her why do you write songs about men that you date and she was like well if the boys that i date don't want me to write songs about them maybe they shouldn't do a bad thing
1: my god yeah
0: And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, and and she's saying just do bad things in general. She's not even saying like, maybe they shouldn't hurt me. Maybe they shouldn't, maybe they shouldn't have broken my heart then. Like she's literally saying they shouldn't do bad things. They're bad people. So I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like a line that I never see talked about in all too well is the maybe we got lost in translation. And that possibly being a reference to the movie Lost in Translation, which is about like an age gap relationship. Exactly. I think about that all the time, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually, like, bring it up. So I wanted to name that here while we were talking about it. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Because it does connect to Dear John, the age gap. Like That's true. Manipulative. Don't you think I was too young?
1: And, yeah.
0: Um, moving out of Speak Now in red, because those two are really starting to get muddy for me. <laughs> muddy like, was... the, muddy like yeah. the truck tires. Yeah. Like the truck tires. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know the ones. I do. Like the ones when Esty's husband had to get the new truck tires, too.
1: Yeah, because they were too muddy from all the corpse burying he was doing. Yeah, right.
0: Well, speaking of corpses, we have 1989. Um, I say corpses because apparently we're not sure if we're going to get the re-recording. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Um this shocked me that this was a track five. I'd always forget. All you had to do was stay.
1: Oh, yeah. I know. Well, <sighs> there's no slow songs on 1989. I, the only one I would
0: peg as like a track five would be clean, but it's clean. not.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: No, said is- it's a perfect ending. Yeah. All you had to do was stay is it's such a crazy one to make a track five. I think this had to have been before the track five thing was a thing, honestly. And if we do think of this as a super... Vulnerable track five, and we look at it with the same lens and we think about it in Gayler context. Just a typical breakup song still yeah. to me. Yeah, definitely. The only thing that really, really pegs me as super Gayler is um, the line, had me in the palm of your hand. I think it's in the chorus yeah. or something. Had oh, me in yeah. the palm of your hand. Why do you have to go out? Go and lock me out when I let you in. That also feels very closet door vibes you knew the password so i let you in the door why'd you have to go out lock me out when i let you in what the heck you had me in the palm of your hand my pain fit in the palm of your freezing
1: hand uh she really does use the same language over and over again it really just she has created like a canon of like heartache and vulnerability Mm
0: -hmm. it's truly
1: feels timeless like that's the thing that feels so hard to connect to any of these songs to specific people for me because they just feel like everlasting for me like this one is so crazy because it seems so so linked with stay 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 from Mm -hmm. its preceding album
0: i mean that's her whole thing in all of these albums is stay like literally all she talks about in all of these songs is staying and like mm-hmm. even in lover we still see it and like cornelia street and yes she's yes. just begging someone to stay with her but like the archer says who could ever leave me but who could stay like could why stay? would anyone want to stay that's oh, devastating
1: it really puts the stay in devastating devastating so devastating stay yeah
0: Devastate, stay, 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 gay for taking. <laughs> Fuck. Another metaphor that's repeated in this is um, all I know is that you drove us off the road. Mm, manslaughter.
1: <laughs> manslaughter. Yeah.
0: yeah. And also, um, I drive down different roads, but they all lead back to you. Yes. We could just drive around on the back road.
1: This Don't line's... forget 20 stitches in the hospital room.
0: Ah, oh, 20 stitches in the hospital room. It hit the brakes too soon. Yeah.
1: Flashing lights took a
0: wrong turn, fell down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Literally us right now. Like that's true. Took a wrong turn, started a Gaylor podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love, I love, love, love this line. Like read out loud. This was what you wanted. You were all I wanted. i uh, not
1: like this. Let my thing, let me remind you this is what you wanted.
0: Yeah. This person trying to come back into her life and she's like, "Need I remind you? You were the one that left me." Uh-huh. And you were all I wanted, but now I don't want you like this. And mm-hmm. now you drove us off the road and we're done. We All you couldn't even make do- this work
1: if we wanted to. All you had to do was stay. That's it. All you had to do was stay. Stay stay gay for day. Uh,
0: the whole story <sighs> of 1989 is just the most devastating, like, queer, like, friend situationship, mm-hmm. romance whirlwind. It's just the up and downs, the whole album.
1: It is, I, I do think that, all you had to do was stay. Like I'm trying to think of. What would be a more. Effective. Track five. Like what would make more sense. For track five. That would be easier to connect to the rest. And I kind of think maybe out of the woods. But out of the woods. As we know. Isn't the final piece. Of where she ends up. Like the, the heartache of out of the woods. Is that. She thinks that she's out of the woods, but she's yeah, ultimately not.
0: Like, and the like fact we of- talked about fives are like the con- the peak, like the complications. Five is where yes. you're battling for your fucking life. Yeah, out of the woods is not her battling. That's her thinking the battle's over.
1: Yeah, exactly. I
0: th- I think I know places would would actually fit uh. as a
1: track five
0: because that's okay. the battle.
1: Oh my god. Okay, the thing is about I Know Places not being a track 5 though, is I am so glad that it's nestled at the very end. Yeah, Like, it's almost like it's hidden. Like, that song in yeah. of itself is a place that's hidden. It can't be too visible as a track no. 5. No! Yeah, and that's so the true. thing that would be hyper-visible if it was a track 5. But it's a secret little hidden song. Mm, I love mm-hmm. I Know Places so much. Oh my god, I just realized the
0: lyric and All You Had To Do Was Stay. The more I think about it now, the less I know. Yes. Right before she says, all I know is that you drove us off the road. Yes. The more that you say, the less I know. In case you forgot. Wow, wow, wow. That's really something. The more I think about it now, the less I know.
1: The more that you say, the less I know. All I know is you drove us off the road. I know places. Mm hmm really makes you think really makes you think
0: do you think all the car crash symbolism in 1989 has anything to do with seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo and the car crash
1: oh my god well first of all does the car crash have anything to do with seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo other other than to torture poor monique with like so true like i feel like it just functions as a horrific way to like kill a gay black man
0: And to to connect Monique to Evelyn in some fucking way. Yeah.
1: Ugh. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry if you haven't read Seven Husbands. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry.
0: Jesus. That was like such a big spoiler, too. (laughs) Whatever. I think we're, I think we've all dabbled in the classics at this point. (laughs) I've read the classics. Yeah. How does all you had to do
1: was say end? Not my favorite song on 1989.
0: Yeah, definitely not my favorite either. This is a track five that is not at the forefront
1: of my mind by any means. No. I almost Whenever forgot I listen to put it on to it, it. it just makes – what did you say? You forgot Reputation?
0: I almost forgot to put um 1989's track five on here because <gasps> oh, I just – Oh,
1: love that.
0: I was just going off of my memory, and I was like, yeah, tolerated My Tears Ricochet, The Archer, Delicate, yeah, 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 all too well. Oh, there's one in between there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh. Uh, What's 1989 track five? Like I had to go look. Wow, and that's one of my faves. Just like you would think I would. I know them.
1: you're a little 1989 girly. We're all shocked True. to hear. <laughs> we all
0: we all gasped. Um, <laughs> next track five is um, "Delicate" from Reputation, which is one of the <sighs> such a gentle little song nestled on such a chaotic, heavy, dark album. It just like it's such a little glimmer in the midst of the whole thing. And it's just like, isn't it, isn't it delicate? And then she's like, boom, boom.
1: Are you ready for it? Boom, boom. Like, Jesus. You know, uh, Lizzie was asleep on the sofa a couple of nights ago. And I was watching YouTube videos on our little TV, like just having the time of my life as she's asleep. And she must have slept through, like, three or four videos of just, like, you know, whatever I was watching. And then I decided to put on Delicate because, you know, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. And this second. Wait, no, wait, wait. You like Taylor Swift? Yes. I know. It's very embarrassing. But. No, I would have never. I know it's contrarian to everything I say, but I do like her. And I do like listening to her music. And so I put on Delicate. And um, she literally, cartoon character, jolted upright. <laughs> the moment she heard, this is for the best. Like her body <laughs> rose like a mummy from the tomb. <laughs> and she said, What's happening? That she thought something was occurring too yeah. not
0: that the song was just playing but no. if this song is playing something has to be ha- exactly. happening
1: something's occurring <laughs> it was so funny I was like you just sat through like 20 minutes of other videos like it's not the sound
0: <laughs>
1: the same for the best <laughs> that would also have me literally levitating
0: out of like my dream <laughs>
1: exactly yeah it was great it was really a very special moment. But anyways, yeah, I fucking love this song. I think that this is, and and from the video, you know, the fact that track five is graffitied on it. It's like, this is when she started to be like, oh, that, like, this is a pattern that my track fives mean something. Like, I'm going to start purposefully choosing these as being the most, like, core to my being songs. And Good God Delicate is a good one to choose.
0: And Reputation is a great album to start that because mm-hmm. so much of it was so like masked and like ingenuine yeah. and like public a very interesting. Yeah, a very like performative public persona. Yeah. So of course the reputation was where she was like, okay, track fives are now my vulnerable tracks because mm-hmm. I needed to have at least one on this album that was actually me. And mm-hmm. I've already been doing that. So I may as well. And I think the vulnerable lines in this song are more vulnerable to the public and less vulnerable to like the subject of the song than the other track Mm fives like the the other songs the vulnerability is in the fact that she's talking directly to john saying don't you think i was too young like Mm -hmm. fuck you and all too well she's like no i remember it like you and i were doing this whatever i've never met anyone as cold as you all you had to do was stay like these are like vulnerability with the subject of the song delicate Mm -hmm. is a vulnerability to the public
1: is it cool that i said all that
0: literally admitting my reputation's never been worse within Mm -hmm. the first like five seconds of the song she's letting the public know i am aware of how you see me and that is the most vulnerable we had ever seen taylor up until that point
1: Mm -hmm. acknowledging
0: the fact that the public does not like her like, that's vulnerable mm-hmm. for I someone know. who cares so much about her reputation to say, my yeah. reputation has never been worse.
1: Yeah, and and then the video all being about, like, how she deeply wishes that she wasn't so hyper-visible and, like, her love being able to turn her invisible – and then, like, when she is in that isolation of invisibility, that is truly as isolating as her hypervisibility, then she stumbles into the bar with like the pink light glowing and locks eyes with like a woman at the bar.
0: The fifth woman at the bar. The, the fifth, fifth woman at the
1: bar. After we're like told over and over again track five, 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 the fifth woman at the bar fifth person is a woman
0: and just the fact that the people at the bar are women and men and they all look at her and she's looking Mm -hmm. with like her little loving look i'm like isn't that enough even if the fifth person wasn't a woman isn't it enough the fact that she walks into a bar to both men and women exactly so
1: many people took that at reputation so many of our gaylor ancestors took that as her coming out as bi
0: that's important
1: to remember yes it is people that have known what we have not known for so long did see Mm -hmm. that as her coming out as bi so who are we to say that she's going to come out more than that what does it even mean to come out in this world that people refuse to see our queerness no matter what like Mm -hmm. i think that that's why it's such a touchy subject for me this whole coming out demanding to come out is that i'm literally married to a woman and we have to come out constantly Mm -hmm. people think that we're sisters all the time Mm -hmm. people aren't interested people don't even think of us as being romantically together they think that we're like spinsters that are roommates even when they know we're married they like refuse to see us in a sexual way like or they see us in a hypersexual way Mm -hmm. like there is no existing peacefully as a queer as an out queer person No, There's no permanently being out.
0: That's the thing. There's no being out.
1: There's no being out. That's a figment of of straight imagination.
0: The only visibility that queer people get is from other queer people, not from straight people. Exactly. Even when you come out constantly. You're not visible still in the way that you expect to be seen. I can't... I I mean, I imagine that's what Taylor's talking about with her track three, Antihero, and Mm. how she says... I feel like my life has become so big and unmanageable that I don't feel like a person. Yeah, She's like, all of these people talk about me and my, my sexuality and my writing and my art and me as a person, even though I know all of those things are not actually me. Where do you draw the line? Like, and especially as a queer person, where do you draw the line when, all you're looking for is acceptance from everyone, especially mm-hmm. as a public figure. I can imagine all she's looking for is acceptance, whatever that looks like. So whatever projections people will put onto her, she'll take because it's some form of exception.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's truly being the mirror ball. Yeah. Living as the mirror ball. Literally, yeah. A little side
0: note, Katie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have begun watching the Shelley Wright documentary. I'm a little over halfway done with it. And I very, very, very highly recommend that you and Lizzie watch it.
1: Oh, my God. I love it.
0: I've been meaning to for a very long time because I see clips from it. You see the clip of her at her book signing, talking about Mm -hmm. the machine, the blender of the industry, everything. We've Mm -hmm. talked about all of that. And so I, I just felt like it was important to get context and God damn, it's important to get context from this documentary. Holy shit. I had no idea that she documented so much of her journey in planning to come out. Like, she documented all of the planning and all of the nights of her, like, crying to her phone camera and being like, I don't think I can do this. Like, very, very, very parallel to Miss Americana.
1: Very Oh, that's really exciting. We'll definitely have to watch it. Yeah. We should do we should do an episode on it.
0: Yeah, that's why. I, I think yeah. you guys should watch it and and we can talk about it because it reminded me because the mirror ball stuff and Shelly has right. said twice now in the documentary so far that her biggest qualm with being in the closet was she would like come off stage or get home for the night after like a big day of press and she would look in the mirror and see herself and she would just start crying because she'd be like I don't know who I am anymore Mm -hmm. like I've taken on this public persona so heavily that I don't know who I am when I'm not in public and the whole idea of her looking in a mirror and breaking down now twice in the documentary and then thinking about Taylor looking in the mirror in the delicate music video and how she's making funny faces in the mirror and then gets really disappointed because she's like who am I you know like you see that whole process happen in that music video and then to hear her talk about mirror balls and being a reflection to everyone out like Oh, that was the second time Shelly mentioned it. The second time that she talked about looking into a mirror and crying was when she almost shot herself.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, She
0: was about to attempt suicide and looked in the mirror. Wow. And that's what made her not. So, yeah, really highly recommend for all the listeners. And we will do an episode eventually on Shelly Wright's documentary and, like, parallels with Taylor. And... Yeah, I just thought that was very, very interesting, and it reminded me of the Delicate music video,
1: too, so. Oh, that's exciting. That's really exciting.
0: Um, Other very vulnerable parts of Delicate, I wrote down the line, I pretend your mind all the damn time.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that line.
0: We kind of see her, like, word vomit that out, like, improv it in the making of Reputation in, like, those videos, Um which is what makes it so genuine to me, too. Because you see her just, like, come up with the line and kind of, like, smile. Because she's like, damn, I really do. <laughs> like, she's like, I just said that line because I really do pretend that they're mine.
1: Uh, I love that line because of the, the um, conflict, like, the confliction of it. The uh, almost, like, oxymoronic aspect of it. Like, mm. sometimes when, like, sometimes... When I look into your yeah, eyes, yeah. yeah, yeah, I pretend that you're mine all the damn time. It's like, is it sometimes that you're doing this or are you doing this all the time? Right. And like the slow admission of the truth. It's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes when I do this, but then by the end, it's like, can you just picture her like talking to her yeah. lover saying this and then by the end she's like okay actually all the time like yeah. all the time I imagine that you're mine
0: because it's like how she's starting out like um, this ain't for the best um, I- I'm really nervous I know this is like a delicate thing and i, I- um, is it cool if I tell you that like sometimes I look into your eyes and da 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 and then, yeah, the peak of the song, the whole big drop leads up to all the damn time. Damn time.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: no, the facade has dropped now. It's not a, It's not this little thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love this song.
0: It's I one of my this. favorites on Reputation.
1: It's... Ugh, I love Reputation so much.
0: I loved this song even when I was a hater of Taylor. I was closeted. I was mm-hmm. listening to Delicate... And watching the music video when Reputation came out. And I was like, I like this one. I hope Taylor Swift is okay.
1: I awesome. miss being a fan of her. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for.
0: Uh, literally. Yeah. Um, after Delicate, we move into The Archer from the Lover album, which, of course, we have an entire episode about the very first episode and our most listened to episode. Mm-hmm. Our most of listened our to our podcast. Thank God. Um, yeah. so foundational to yeah. everything that we talk about that episode. And I'm so glad to be circling back mm-hmm. to the song now that it's marinated with us for a whole year.
1: Yes. How special that we named our podcast after track five, the track mm-hmm. five. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the Archer encapsulates all the track fives mm-hmm. um, and the, the battle that she's actually having internally and why these track fives are so vulnerable and different from the rest of the songs, because Mm -hmm. there is an internal battle happening. And that's what the Archer names.
1: I've been the Archer, AKA the vigilante that is writing songs and destroying careers and throwing shade and, you know, being a hero in the ways that she knows how to be. And she's been the prey. She's been the victim of, you know, industry grooming and what it means to be a, like, young woman in this world, being commodified, being, you know, had to grow up in, like, the public eye, had to have to exist in the public eye. Like, she's truly, she truly has been the victim and the prey. excuse me, the the archer and the prey, like the victim and the the predator, the -hmm. perpetrator.
0: Definitely, which is vulnerable for Taylor Swift to say someone who, I mean, I know this is the media narrative, but it's also true she thrives in the victim narrative. Yes. As a Cancer Moon, I'm a Cancer Moon as well, and I know it. (laughs) Like when we thrive, When we're victims, but it's a lot harder to admit when we're not the victim.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's the vulnerable aspect of this song is it's Mm -hmm. one of the rare occasions where it's Taylor admitting that she's been in the wrong before or that Mm -hmm. maybe she's not right and her thinking isn't right. The way that there's these illusory, the illusory fire and invisible smoke and acting as if she's a ghost and this like inherent danger that she's going to have to fight a fight.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just... And I think that it's similar to Miss Americana. Like I think that Miss Americana really does document a shift in her feeling that like, she knows that she has been playing the victim in a lot of ways and i feel as though the archer is a true deep acknowledgement that she hasn't done everything that she can mm-hmm. and that she has been a coward in a lot of ways mm-hmm. totally like that is truly the beginning of i think the, you know the archer we see connections to it in so many of so many different songs i like to think of it as her like first step in like this new tailor like the tailor that i've fallen in love with and become a deep fan of like the Mm -hmm. art feels like the first step in in her kind of recreating herself in that way and not in an inauthentic recreation but in like a more truthful way you know what i mean a way that doesn't have to do with her relationships.
0: I mean, this is like the first track five that we see that isn't about any love interest. I know. And I think that's a part of her reinvention as well. You know, like she's like, no, these are my songs that I'm writing and I've put myself in the position (laughs) where they have to be attributed to someone all the time. But now I just want to admit who I am. Outside of that.
1: I know. And and that's something that like. I don't have enough empathy for enough. I think like I really. Do have to remind myself sometimes. That. Her being with Joe publicly. Her having been with Joe. For the last five years. Publicly. Has saved her. So much. Public. Criticism. Mm-hmm. And critiques and just digging into her personal life, mm-hmm. like she was truly able to separate herself for the most part, like in a big way. Obviously, so many men are still obsessed with calling her like, you know, oh, she's she has so many boyfriends, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever, yeah. misogyny will exist no matter what. You cannot yeah. escape misogyny. Just the and same it exists when they
0: talk about her. Joe too. Like exactly,
1: it- yeah, but.
0: Yes, it keeps them from being like she's just running through men. She's mm-hmm. she can't keep a man because she's yeah. crazy. Like it, it in a weird way got them to shut up about her relationships because it's like oh, the woman's locked down now. So mm-hmm. we don't gotta we don't have to talk about it now because she has a man by her side. Yeah, exactly. That's why I I never blame her for for being with Joe publicly yes. or and why you know I think it's important for gaylers to recognize that people don't don't beard for fun because they want (laughs) to (laughs) like it's, it's not like a thing that she likes to do I'm sure you know if that is the case it's like we're queer guys let's remember that that is a result of being oppressed and needing social power
1: yeah and social protection
0: exactly yeah yeah. And that's what the nice boy Ed essay said to her earlier. She was like, mm-hmm. I liked the security of publicly being with a man. And she said that was the only reason she stayed with Ed. Uh-huh. Crazy. And in the song, The Archer 2, she says, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put me together again. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talked about how that's a Dusty Springfield um, song yeah. as well. But in doing the track five thing, I realized White Horse, could be applied here <gasps> yes. too
1: yes oh i love that
0: and you yes. know like if if she w- is supposedly supposed to be a princess then the king would be her dad if she's saying i'm not a princess this isn't a fairy tale you know whatever she's also saying all of my dad's white horses and all the all of, the men. of Mm -hmm. the men Mm -hmm. and the fantasy of of me running off with a man and being a princess with a prince none of that ever put me back together no matter how hard I tried or he tried
1: because she's not a princess she's an archer she is the one that is like perched perched in the dark Yeah,
0: Yeah. and all of her enemies started out friends
1: oh my god
0: and it's almost as if why else would that end up happening if not her being the problem in some way so again that's her admitting yeah, yeah i'm the fucking problem because i have demons like she's like i'm fighting demons every night no wonder no one wants to stay
1: yes
0: god she's just like me seriously and then i'm obsessed with her ending the song with i'm ready for combat And someone pointed out on TikTok a while ago that it sounds like she's saying, I'm ready for combat.
1: Yes. And it really does.
0: It It really does. Like, I can't unhear it. Every time I hear the archer now, that's what I hear. Um, Yes. So funny. But um, transitioning from her saying, I'm ready for combat, and then into folklore, My Tears Ricochet, Mm. Ah, where she's... Ready for combat, and then all of a sudden we gather here, weeping in a sunlit room, and it's like, "Girl, who did you kill in your combat?" <laughs> like, "Oh my god!"
1: They say I don't want that, but what if I do? Yeah, yeah.
0: And then she she says, yeah, "Here if I, I am on at the fire, funeral." Yeah, if I'm on fire, I did want that. you'll be made of ashes too. Mm-hmm. You'll be in an urn. Yeah. Yeah, bitch.
1: You're gonna be cremated right. too. Mm. Ugh, I love my Tears Ricochet.
0: Right? And then hers really the,
1: feel like it's slept on. Does that feel right to you? I think
0: it does feel right because every time I re-listen to it or I play it on the piano or something, I'm like, holy shit, like this is one of the best songs ever written.
1: I <laughs> like, know. In general, it really is. It's so good. The symbol, the imagery, it's like I'm truly being carried away into a, in, into like a short film here. Yeah, and now. like everything is so crystal clear to me, and the smoke the in production. the room.
0: The production is I'm so production good on
1: that song. So good. Yeah, Jack Antonoff really hit the sleigh button. mm mm-hmm. Yep. Um,
0: other standout lines here because yeah. when I'd fight, you used to tell me I was brave. And if, if this is in the context of her dad, which I see it as, it's like you used to tell me I was brave when I would fight with other people, when I would reject things, try to do things my own way in my career. But the second that I am fighting with you and now I have to go to combat with you and I have to reject your ideas for my career and for who I am, now all of a sudden it's a problem. But when I was defending you and defending the ideas you had, I was brave.
1: Yeah, really calling out the hypocrisy that she's been, like, surrounded with and is trying desperately to burn down to the ground. I
0: didn't have it in myself to go with grace because you were the one that taught me to fight. And you told me that that was brave.
1: God. I, but again, now all of a sudden. That's what I wish for it. all of us. To be, like, it's really building now at such a high pitch that it makes perfect sense that we're at an album that has a song called Vigilante shit on it. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Because literally from Lover with The Archer, combat, I'm ready for combat. They say I don't want that, but what if I do? And now it's been like three years of what her internal combat looks like people are dead people are like she's at the funerals of these people like that are wearing the same jewels and the same gifts that they're wearing so proudly that she's responsible Mm -hmm. for and she's like sick of it she's truly ready to burn this house down to the ground Mm -hmm. she's like if i'm on fire
0: i may as well burn it all down who cares then exactly if she's gonna remake herself she's gonna have to remake everyone else in the I process think. of it yeah and I didn't, down with
1: her I didn't have it in myself to go with Grace it's like good yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't three years is long enough to wait the fact that she waits for three years with everything that is long enough to wait she's like if I can't go with grace in a three-year period if i'm giving you a three-year like grace period um, <laughs> grace period yeah um, ironically like a three-year head start you know yeah if and if i still can't do it with the grace that you're begging of me that's fine she's ready for combat anyway like fuck it yeah
0: Um, I also love when she says, you can aim for my heart, go for blood, but you would still miss me in your bones. Because aiming for her heart is something that is obviously symbolically related to her love and her emotions. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can aim for my love. You can aim for my sexuality. You can try to make my vulnerability a weapon of yours. Mm-hmm. And make it seem like some a character flaw of my own and an issue of mine. Yes. But you're still going to miss me in the deepest, deepest sense of yourself. Like bones are like the toughest, most indestructible part of a body. It's like, yeah, you can come for my vulnerability. I wear my heart on my sleeve so that anyone can come for me. Yeah. But well, in your yeah. bones, the deepest, deepest knowing of yourself – You're still going to miss me. And it's not going to affect me. Because how many other people aim for my heart every day?
1: Mm. Well, and I think that, like, think about the metaphor of, like, the skeleton and how she uses things like all we are, skin and bones, trained to get along. Mm -hmm. And, like, this idea that someone trying to wound her would you know, obviously go for her heart and try to destroy the actual love and life force beating in her heart, beating in, like, her life what makes her who she is, being, like, Mm -hmm. the Taylor Swift who wears her heart on her sleeve, but then it's, like, once those things are removed, once she doesn't have, like, the core of who she is, it's, like, she's just a skeleton of her former self. And mm-hmm. it's, like, even in that stripped-down shell of herself, it's, like, the echo is still there. Mm-hmm. still herself, even without her blood. And it's, like, it's in her bones now. Like, mm-hmm. what are bones except things that our blood, like, and our heart pumps the blood that like allows our body to grow and like heal. Like everything goes back to the heart. So you can try to remove her heart and try to make her separate from her queerness, but like it it like the bones will still miss
0: bones her. don't yeah. The bones don't disappear. Like a heart will will stop beating. A heart will will what's the word? Um decompose. Yeah. Bones don't, yeah. at least not for a very, very, very long time. They rarely, even like in cremations, um, bones don't always burn all the way down to ash yeah. because they're so strong. So it's like, yeah, my heart will stop beating one day. Everything, my blood, whatever, all of that's temporary. Your bones yeah. never will go away. And that's, that's where
1: you're going to miss me. And I just think that it's like, people have tried to dissect her into different parts and like only market what they want and have, have made her like a perfect doll in so many ways hidden so many parts of her and she's really there to remind us all that like even if it's just a part of her it's still her yeah and that like you can't actually erase the truth of the matter
0: I th- I'm fascinated by the progression of the archer my tears ricochet and tolerate it all having major themes of battle and war and violence and destruction and pain and danger, like inherent danger, and what that is going to end up meaning for Midnight's track five, which we'll get to. But keeping that in mind as we're moving from the Archer, from My Tears Ricochet, and on to Tolerate It, it's like we now have her saying, I'm ready for combat, And then saying, the battleships will sink beneath the waves. You can aim for my heart, go for blood. Like these images of a bloody battle. Yes. And then moving into Tolerate It, where she says, I greet you with a battle hero's welcome.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So she's naming that the muse of Tolerate It is also the muse of My Tears Ricochet, who is also a -hmm. factor of the archer. Because why else would she include such specific language of battleships and then a battle hero? And it's like an entire story playing out. The Archer, My Tears Ricochet, Tolerated. That trio of songs tells us a story Mm. about someone in her life that is making her feel like she's in danger. Or is making her feel like she's going to be in danger by being herself. Yeah. And that being herself involves battle.
1: Yeah. It's like there's cruelty in My Dear Ricochet. And then the cruelty has turned, even if it's no longer active battling, Mm -hmm. the cold indifference of being Mm -hmm. tolerated as opposed to loved and celebrated is just as painful. She is situating the pain of being tolerated as equal to being killed Mm -hmm. which is a very it's like extremely gay oh there's just so many
0: themes of like i i can't think of any of these songs being about anything else but like her dad or someone with a similar Mm -hmm. influence on her because she says and tolerate it what would you do if i break free leave us in ruins take this dagger in me and remove it like this is a battle that's been happening yeah with someone that she made her temple, her mural, her sky, someone that was protecting her at one point, throwing blankets over her barbed wire. Uh-huh. Like someone who's older and wiser. Someone who she greets with with a battle hero's welcome, sets up the table really nice for. And, you know, in the best day, she even sings on Fearless about, memorize what it sounds like when your dad gets home. She obviously had a really important relationship with her dad growing up that made her feel safe or secure in some way because she even has talked about how she wanted to be what her dad was like a stockbroker because Mm -hmm. that's what she was like yeah i wanted to be like my dad like obviously whatever that's a sense of security that he brought her and this like progression like i didn't even mean to talk about this in this episode but the further we get along the more and more that i'm just like confirmed scott swift is on my hit list and like because of the
1: lyrics of these three songs specifically. And you know, I can't help but think about all too well 10 minute version too, because Mm -hmm. I'm a soldier who's returning half her weight. And you were the one that really like blew my mind when you realize when you pointed out the fact that she makes so many references to her dad in that song. Like her dad like enacting like basically being a mastermind of some sort like being like the puppet controller you know in mm-hmm. all too well 10 minutes version and the fact that that song came after tolerate it like she released that song after tolerate it with that same image of a battle hero a soldier returning half her weight like mm-hmm. gain the weight of you then lose it mm-hmm hmm gain the weight of you then lose it i'm a
0: soldier who's returning half her weight both track fives yes sipping coffee like you're on a late night show charming Mm -hmm. my dad why else would her lover be doing that if not for some weird patriarchy shit
1: and then her dad saying it's supposed to be fun turning 21 gaslighting her gaslighting her exactly it's like being like you're supposed to be having fun you're not supposed to be having all these yeah. like straw like why don't you just like stop taking it so seriously
0: you're supposed to be having fun
1: yeah we threw this whole
0: big party for you
1: <laughs> oh my god please why is your dad at
0: your 21st birthday party that's my other thing why is he at reputation secret sessions like get out oh. um someday we need we- to do
1: a whole patreon episode just about
0: Yeah, um, I want to get into our predictions for track five um, on Midnight's because I we are running out of time.
1: Uh huh. So
0: now that we've gotten here, it makes like too much sense. There is a TikTok account. I think it's called like Midnight Leaks or something. Midnight. It is. It's
1: called Midnight Leaks, and
0: they leaked a possible track list Mm -hmm. for um. Midnight's and yeah if you don't want to hear this leaked track name please stop listening here thank you so much for your time yes. peace and love we'll see you peace next time
1: stay, stay stay, gay for Tay goodbye episode's over for you
0: Right now for the real ones yes. <laughs> <laughs> keep in mind too all of the tracks that have been revealed thus far do align with this track list and they have been accurate so far so we can assume that the rest are also accurate Track five on the with
1: nuance always. Are any tracks real? Is an album coming? We don't know. Okay. Exactly.
0: Is Taylor Swift real? Who what is music? Who are we? Who are we? What is I?
1: What is time? We don't know.
0: Yeah. So track five is titled You're on Your Own Kid.
1: Period. Did you you hear what Madison just said? The leaked track five is called You're On Your Own Kid. Now, if that isn't the name of track five, in some ways I'll be excited because I love a surprise. So it'll be fun to find out what the actual track five is. However, if it is the name of track five, what in the world that is the most fucking incredible name in the entire world. It really is a thorough line from everything else that we've been talking about for track fives.
0: Even before we started the episode, I was like, yeah, track fives seem like they align a lot with like Scott Swift and like her addressing mm-hmm. him, especially the last three track fives. Yes. But then we talked about it and I was like, oh my God, this track five name makes even more sense. More sense, I know. You're on your own kid. Break free and leave us in ruins. Well, it's also so Rebecca
1: Harkness coded, like calling people kid. First of all, don't call me kid. Don't call me baby. Yeah. Let's not forget about that. But it's so Rebecca Harkness coded because it's like old timey. Like calling people kid is so old timey.
0: It's what old people call kids to like diminish them, to Mm -hmm. minimize them.
1: Condescend them. Yeah.
0: It, like, makes you feel small when someone calls you kid, even if they are so much older than you and you are a kid. It's still, like, ugh. it's the longest track title on this entire list, so it sticks out a lot. So, yeah, I do. That's my that's my um, theory for track five. I think it's going to be a, another song about Scott and just You're describing not. what happened with that situation.
1: Hmm. I love that prediction, and I love the idea that that would be true. I'll be giddy if it's true, and I'll be giddy if it's not true. That's the magic. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I could also see it being about, like, aligned with the listed affairs, the line, like, don't call me kid, don't call me baby, of, like, maybe she was going to come out with a partner, and maybe the partner was like, you're on your own, kid. This journey is not my journey. Not my story. Sorry, kid, I have a magazine to run. You're on your own. So true. But I think that's everything that I have to say about track fives, Katie. Yeah,
1: I think so too. You know, this episode wasn't as satisfying as I thought it would be. There's still a lot of questions that we have. A lot of questions. It's it's nice to look at the through lines of it all. But it's also just like, gee whiz, there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> and all we do team. know
0: Is that Taylor is fighting battles. Like literally Mm -hmm. fighting demons.
1: That's all these songs show. Yeah. She's the archer and she is the prey.
0: I think the next time that you hear from us on the main feed, Midnight's will have been released. And
1: the next time you hear from us, we will have recorded in person. yeah, Yeah. About Midnight's. About Midnight's. Yeah, so happy, happy October. Happy
0: October. Happy midnights to all those that celebrate. Oh, my God. And it is Thursday, October 6th. It's 5 p.m. on the East Coast. And we may be getting Karma as a lead single at midnight. Maybe. Maybe.
1: We'll see. And
0: let's not forget, Katie, I forgot to mention this, but Saturday, October 8th is International Lesbian Day and yes. tuesday october 11th is national coming, out, coming day.
1: out day
0: so let's keep our eyes and ears peeled because i have a feeling this weekend is going to be very eventful even if we don't get a lead single even if we don't get a coming out quote unquote mm-hmm. i just think there's gonna be a lot of exciting things happening regardless because it's the week before an album so.
1: exactly and also if you are interested look in the link in our description for uh, coming to the Midnight's Listening Party. It's a Thursday, October 20th at 11pm. We will have an hour of festivities until midnight. And then at midnight, we will all be quiet and listen to the album together and chat together about it. So we can do the first listening together. And I'm very excited. I think it's going to be really fun to have like a real... solidified dealer space for
0: this no seriously like Gaylor fest was a fucking blast i can't imagine us all like live listening to a new album together i know uh, please if you are interested in coming please 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 do there's no yeah. pressure to have your camera on there's no pressure to have your no. microphone on there's no pressure to even talk at all if you just want to be present with other gailers, uh, other queer people and yeah, listen just to music the chat
1: while you listen Know that you can't open your eyes and read the chat at any time. Like, Please, 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 please join us. Yeah. Uh, I think that I have a gripe. Oh. Oh, my God. What? What could possibly be going wrong at such a joyous time?
0: I just have one gripe with our listeners that, like, I don't think that they are grasping how serious this is for the both of us.
1: Yeah. And how much it affects us when they don't do this. I know. I know. It's like they haven't heard a certain track five. No one has ever told them that all they needed to do. All you had to do. All you have to do is stay, stay, stay gay for Tay. Duh! Duh! Bye! Why did I never realize you've been saying all you
0: have to do is stay 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 gay for Tay? You've been saying all you have to do to our listeners, and quite literally it's a song title, and we didn't even mean it.
1: Oh, Madison's British now. Bye! Bye! Bye. You should stay.